well, I won't say everyone, but I know for myself, even if you are open-minded, you would go back to that concept that you were just talking about. You still have this kind of this character you've made up in your head of what like a good writer is. And then you're like, well, if I'm not that today, then. <laughs> Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Hi, writers. On today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, I'm talking with Kirby Miller, who is an entrepreneur, an advocate, a chef, the founder of Kanimi Kitchen. She's a sought-after culinary lifestyle expert. She's the maker of the best popcorn I've ever eaten in my life and a lover of books and food. It really doesn't get much better than that. And if you're already thinking, wow, it sounds like Kirby has a lot going on, trust me, you haven't even heard the half of it. (laughs) We're going to talk about all the things that Kirby has her hands in on today's episode. But I want to say something that wouldn't necessarily be on Kirby's bio. She has genuinely become one of my favorite people since I've gotten to know her just in a couple of months. She's a fighter. She has such a strong voice. She has so much to say. And so when I heard that she wanted to write a book, I was instantly intrigued. I wanted to help her. I wanted to support her. But one of the things I know to be true, not just for Kirby, but for so many of us, is that wanting to write a book doesn't necessarily make it happen, that we have these real life, actual challenges that come in the way, not just creative resistance. There's of course that, but actual, you know, real practical obstacles. Like how do I fit writing a book into my daily schedule when I have a full-time job like Kirby and a side hustle and I'm taking care of, you know, a child or in Kirby's case, a parent, and I've got a partner in life who I need to commit some time and energy to. So that's what I want to talk to Kirby about today. We're going to cover those real challenges of writing a book and talk about how she's overcoming these these challenges. We're going to talk about fitting writing into your real actual life and why this is so important and such an important topic for us to cover. And we're going to talk about how to balance it all, the side hustle, the full-time gig, the book writing, the this, the that, the relationships, all of it. So if you've ever wanted to write a book, but you think like, I don't know that I actually have the time for that. You're not going to want to miss today's episode. You're going to love Kirby as much as I do. Hi, Kirby. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Hey, Allie. Thank you for having me. Okay. I'm going to start in the same place that we always start here on the show, which is with the question, what does it mean to you to find your voice? Wow. That's such a powerful question. So many different layers. If I had to summarize it, it would be experiencing your truth unapologetically and being able to put it out into the world without guardrails. And sometimes when you hear unapologetically, it's kind of like beat your chest kind of force, but that's not what I believe. It's unapologetically means that you've spent the time going inward, you know yourself you know what you need, you know what you don't need, and that you have the opportunity to express that without having to dilute it. Mm. And it's not taking away from anyone else, but you are able to stand in your truth 
without feeling an innate need to shape shift or change it to make someone else comfortable. I love that. The phrase you used without guardrails. I've not heard anyone say that before. And I really, (laughs) really like that phrase. That's great. You're a woman of many talents and I know you do so many different things. And I also think one of the worst questions in the world is what do you do? But can you give our listeners who are hearing about you for the first time, kind of a broad sense of some of the different things that you have your hands in? Cause we'll go down a bunch of different rabbit trails. And I definitely want to talk about the book that you're working on, but I'd love for them to have a scope of all the things that are Kirby Miller. Sure. I think Kirby Miller is still discovering those every day too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I'm one of those people who have never traditionally fit into any box. And so with that, I wear a few different hats on my journey right now. So uh, at this time when we're recording this, I am, I refer to myself as an intrapreneur, someone who holds a corporate position and then also has an entrepreneurial endeavor. And so my corporate world takes me in the realm of healthcare. And from an entrepreneurial side, I love to connect people through food in a meaningful way. And I emphasize meaningful because we connect all the time. And Mm. being a multi-passionate person and someone who gets the opportunity to be in a variety of rooms, I also get to observe many kind of tactical connections. And those, I guess, have their place. But for me, meaningful connections allow you the time and space to be who you really are without it being transactional. Like your value is not based on what you can provide at the end of it. And we don't oftentimes have many opportunities like that. It's almost as if people are on a (laughs) speed dating or speed networking type of algorithm where they meet new people. Yeah. And what I love to do through my brand, Kanemi Kitchen, is to create spaces that are inclusive and that really cultivate those meaningful connections that provide the environment where people can put down some of those titles and that weight when they're a part of those experiences and really invite people to experience each other more in a 3D fashion. That's what I love to do in my entrepreneurial world. Wow. I love that so much. The first thing that came to mind for me, the one experience I've had in my life where people really truly put down their titles and labels for a period of time to connect with one another was Mm -hmm. a program here in Tennessee called Onsite. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. It's a therapeutic program. You come, there's a program they have called the living center program. You come for a week and the rules are you don't get to bring your cell phone or you check in your cell phone at the beginning of the week. And you aren't allowed to tell people your last name or what you do. And you spend a week with these people doing it's therapy, but experiential therapy in a group setting. And the biggest thing that I felt at the end of that week when I left was it's crazy to think that now that I have a better sense, you know, when you leave, you start connecting with people, getting their phone numbers, you find out who they are, what they do. And I thought to myself, so many of these people in this group, I never would have connected with if I hadn't been put into this experience with them. And yet I feel closer to them than I feel to some people who are in my regular real life because we had this, we shared this space together where we let the labels fall to the ground and we just connected human being to human being. So it was a really, really powerful experience for me. Absolutely. Can you talk about like how food facilitates that? Because I know this is something you're really passionate about. Sure. 
there are varying levels of interest in food. You've got people who are hardcore foodies, and then you have people who are like, you know what? I don't live to eat. I eat to live. But here's what we all have in common is we have to eat food as as, as a necessity. And so what I kick off my sessions with, whether that's in person or virtual, is, hey, I'm going to go over the list of things that are needed to be in this session. And then you kind of see people lean in because we're so programmed to listen and say, okay, well, do I meet the criteria? And Hmm. I say, are you human? Okay, good. Do you get hungry? Right. And then that's it. That's it. And it's like, welcome. (laughs) And for me, food is that equalizer. And there are so many ways that we can divide and then subdivide and then subdivide the subdivision to kind of create these little ecosystems of validation. I may not be where I want to be, but at least I'm not that. Or there's just a lot of different things that we do to ourselves. But food is something where, you know, that's at your most primal, basic level. It's a requirement. No matter how accomplished you are, no matter how lost that you feel in the world, give it a few hours and you're going to need some sort of nourishment. And that invites people into a common experience where you may not otherwise have something to talk about. What you described in that uh, kind of group therapy setting what you experienced is so just right on par with what I like to create because I like to say I've studied a bit the kind of the algorithm that people use. If you sit back in a group setting, and I know at this time that we're recording it, we're all kind of just re-emerging into group settings. But if you step back, you can kind of observe it. People meet one another. They kind of give them give each other a glance from head to toe. And it's kind of like their brain is going to work. Male, female, blonde. Ooh, I like your outfit. Or I can try to summarize this. Oh, what did your title say? What does your name tag say? And it's almost like it's going through this formula or going through this algorithm and you reach the decision point of whether or not that person is of value to you. Yeah. But here's what's fundamentally true and what I have found over and over and over again, that algorithm is flawed for most people. And so what you said about not really thinking that you would have interacted with those people outside of that experience is so true because perhaps you wouldn't have had the opportunity to cross paths or perhaps when you did cross paths, (laughs) that algorithm would run and you all would just say, okay, well, maybe not that valuable. So, hey, how are you doing? And pass each other before the answer is given. So for me, food pulls you into that moment where you get to slow down. And even if you don't know that that person is going to be valuable, then at least you have a starting point, something to talk about. There's something about chopping fresh herbs and smelling that together and caramelized onions that kind of just allows you to take a collective deep breath and natural conversation starts. And then that's a launch pad into so many different things. And again, I'm an observer by nature. I've seen that people start to share story. Hmm. And you almost see it's like they take off this invisible backpack of weight and their shoulders kind of relax and they settle in. And what I think is really beautiful about those moments is when they're sharing story, it's almost like, wow, this person has a puzzle piece to something that I'm going through that I would have missed yeah. if we weren't in this experience. So for me, that's how food really lends itself to being a connector and being an equalizer. 
Man, that rings so true to me. I, I, the phrase you said about how you would have missed it if you hadn't had this particular opportunity to connect with these people. It's exactly how I felt as I was leaving onsite. I just thought I've gained some of the most valuable insights of my life from just paying attention to someone else's story. Yeah. And I would have completely missed that story if I hadn't put my phone away and not been trying to rub elbows with the right people in the room. That's right. Can I ask you a question about yeah, that? Yeah, please. So the other side of that coin, when you left that experience, did you feel as though you knew yourself a little better? Outside totally. of introducing yourself with your title first and what you do. Yeah. I mean, part of it is just not so closely identifying with what my last name is or what people think about me based on my title. But part of it was too, the way you see yourself in other people's stories. Ooh, okay. So when someone sitting across the room would tell me a story about the one that's coming to mind was about a drug addiction and something that in terms of my own personal life experience was kind of far removed from what I had personally experienced. Okay. But when I was listening to him tell his story over the course of days, I realized I actually really get it. Like I wow. really resonate with you because the questions you were asking, the things you were struggling with, what you ultimately wanted at the end of the day are the mm-hmm. same things that I want. And it not only gave me a ton more compassion and perspective for the choices that he had made that I might've had judgments or labels for before I knew him, but it also gave me all of this insight about myself. And it just felt, I felt like richer leaving than I had when I'd come. Absolutely. And I just think that's really awesome. Thank you for answering that because it's so fascinating to me how much we don't know about ourselves. Mm. And it's because we get used to kind of this autopilot response, or if in this setting, then I respond this way, yeah. or I show up this way. And that kind of shook that up totally. <laughs> for everyone. So yeah, I just loved hearing about that experience. Well, another piece of that too, and not to belabor this, but I do think it's an important part of the conversation. Another piece of it is when we enter into certain environments, and I think you're getting at this, you have a sense of how you're expected to perform. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you go to a work event or you go to a church event is a big place Mm -hmm. where we find ourselves performing. Or when you go to a family reunion or something, you, based on previous previous experience and stories you've made up and feedback you've gotten, you kind of have like your playlist. Like you're like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm not supposed to say. I should dress like this. I should act like this. And this was a situation where because nobody knew who I was, mm-hmm. nobody knew my last name, nobody had any kind of preconceived notion, it freed me yes. of all those old stories. And it just gave me permission to act and be in a freer kind of way than I had been able to be in the past. And I think when that happens, when we lift the story off and give ourselves a little bit more room to move, we find mm-hmm. that we are not as black and white as we thought we were. You know, We have these ideas about ourselves that like, I'm a disciplined person or I'm not the type of person who wakes up early or That's I'm right. people will say to me, like, I could never write a book. I'm not disciplined enough. And I just say, there's no such thing as disciplined people and not disciplined people. There's just human <laughs> beings, right. you know, and habits that we have. And so I think that's a piece of it as well. That's beautiful. And that untethering is powerful. And I believe we all deserve that. And I, I believe mm-hmm. also through that type of journey, that's where kind of to circle back to the initial question, that's how you can become familiar with your own voice. Yeah. And how you can actually discover that a bit more because what you're describing about, okay, it's this type of event and this is how I act. 
you show up maybe not with your own voice. It's this yeah. borrowed set of kind of characteristics. So I think that's really powerful. And uh, yeah, so I just love that. That's just kind mm-hmm. of, I had a visual when you were talking about it, like just you're tied to something and it just kind of loosens and you get to be free. I yeah. Love it. So good. You talk about on your website, you say, I recall sitting for hours looking through cookbooks with fascination. Mm-hmm. I would select a variety from my mother's baker's rack, find a quiet place often behind the couch with a blanket and just get lost in my own culinary world of imagination and possibilities, which I loved reading that on your website because I have so many similar memories from my childhood, not with cookbooks, but with storybooks. And, you know, I would pretend to read books that I didn't even, I couldn't even fully read them (laughs) when I was really young. (laughs) But I, I remember that sort of like hiding behind the couch or a chair or finding a warm little spot and curling up with a blanket and reading the book and feeling like I could get lost in this imaginary place. I'm curious, do you have a moment when you really started to connect with food or you feel like it's always been there? I feel like it's always been there. I don't have a memory without being in the kitchen, around the kitchen, exposed mm. to the creativity in the kitchen. I really, I know some people have these marked times where they're like, oh, when I was a teenager and maybe my mom went back to work, I had to learn how to work the microwave. You know, there's, I yeah. just remember that always being a part of my story. And that escapism into that world was safe when sometimes the environment otherwise could be a bit chaotic. That's something where I could get lost and look at the pictures and look at how they wrote the recipes and the suggested variations. And that was just something that I absolutely loved. And again, going back to that not being in the box mentality, even at a very young age, I never followed a recipe. I always just took them as like gentle suggestions. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't and I would work very just well with baking, I've learned. <laughs> it's funny because I will still tweak tweak a recipe in that way. So really? there there is still science to it. That's there great. are certain things that ha- certain components and elements that have to be in place for texture to be right. But for me, I, d- I don't have a memory not being around or in the kitchen and exploring. I love it. So this book that you have to write, I know the book is a passion project for you and something you've been dreaming about for a while. Do you, Mm -hmm. can you tell us like, when was the first moment that you knew you wanted to write this book? Or maybe the first moment that you, not that you dreamed of it, but the first moment you were like, this is definitely going to happen. Ooh, that's an important distinction. And so I'll answer both questions. Okay, perfect. (laughs) I have, I've always loved writing. I've been, um, the easiest way to describe is that multi-passionate kind of creative. In addition to stealing away to look through cookbooks and books, I used to just write book reports on different things and write different stories all of the time. And I'd make my own little binding. It was a whole thing. And my teachers would always uh, tell my parents, she's going to be a writer when she grows up. And so so that expression through words has been a passion that I actually put a pin in for a very long time. That probably will take some uh, self-discovery to figure out where (laughs) along the way, you know, I I turned away from that for a while. But as I started to take a, a different look at my life and my life experiences and how they fit into a bigger context, I knew that I wanted to share and encourage and maybe have that be a part of my own discovery journey for a very long time. It's hard to, again, put a a time and date on that, 
but where your second part of the question comes in where you said that this, you know, hey, this this is like a real thing. <laughs> yeah, this is would happen. be sitting in the session with you a few oh, months ago. Wow. Yeah. So it was something that Donald Miller had brought up before and he said, Who wants to write a book? And I was like, Oh wait, is Donald Miller asking us this question? Like <laughs> me, me, I want to write a book. Because you know, you're in this small business cohort with Donald Miller, which is like this fascinating experience. And so you're talking about life and business applications. And then he, of course, it makes sense in hindsight, but when he threw that book question, it was like, wow, okay. Yeah. It was really in that session where I expressed a few things publicly for the first time. And then you were kind of like, okay, they still, they go on the board. They have a place. Yeah. And that this is a part of the process. And I think it was in that session where there was just a, a normalizing of certain things that I hadn't experienced before. And then where it was like, yep, there's a path for that. There's Mm -hmm. a path for that. (laughs) And so really, I would say it was in that session with you. So I just really appreciate that. I love it. I'm so happy to hear that. Can you tell listeners, and I know this can be people want to share like, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with is fine. But I'm curious if you can give people a vision of what you want the book to become. Sure. So I would say it's a combination of food, culture, and inspiration. So of course there'll be beautiful recipes and stories about why certain things are a part of the book and the stories behind, hey, when I made this here's who I was sitting with and here's a bit mm-hmm. of our conversation and what unfolded and some truths that came out and some parallel things and how their life poured into my life. So that will be an element. And then also some just inspiration, things that have helped me navigate different chapters of my life that I would love just to share with other people. If I were to give it an illustration, it would be hopefully the the book would be some type of like a beacon or light because a light doesn't create something new it doesn't mm-hmm. create anything new it simply illuminates what's right there in front of you and you can actually see it in a different way or with more clarity and that's what i hope to do because at times where i have felt oh my goodness just overwhelmed or lost or troubled the very last thing that you need in that space is to feel as though here are 10 things that you have to do to be able to get out of it. Here's something that you have to obtain to get to save yourself. Hmm. It's more helpful when it's like, let's reimagine what you have right there in your hand. Yeah. Let's reimagine that what you have accessible to you in the moment it's within reach Let's just take a different look at it. That's what I hope the book will be. I love that. What a beautiful analogy or metaphor of of the book being a light and a way to, to, you know, reshape the perspective we have on what's already there. I really love that. What has the process of writing the book been like for you? And I know you're, you're new to this, but we have a lot of writers who are listening who are in the same place that you are or... I don't even really think of it necessarily as linear like this, but maybe there are 10 steps behind you. Maybe they've thought of writing a book, but they can't find the courage to really truly jump in, or they haven't admitted to themselves that this is actually going to happen. So 
thinking about those listeners, keeping those listeners in mind, I'd love for you to talk about what your process has been like. Sure. I think one of the the greatest pieces of advice that both you and Donald shared in different ways, but the commonality was to be consistent with the writing, even if you don't know that it will finally make it in. And that has been a bit of a challenge. And so hopefully someone listening to this can identify like, yes, for me too, because I know that having a practice is so important, but sometimes you fall down and then you have to get back up. And sometimes you feel fired up and you're like, whoa, this could happen in a matter of months. And then there might be days where you feel like, so this is a decade out with this speed. So for me, it has been a varied experience because that desire coming to life kind of peppers in with so many other competing priorities. So to answer what it's been like, it really has been more of a a varied experience. And I don't know if you have experienced that when you have been writing in the past where it's like, there's 20 minutes where you feel like, oh my goodness, so revved up. And then 20 minutes where you're like, is this gonna, is this happening? So that's, that's actually where I sit right now is just that varied experience. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important that you're mentioning that and it's really good for our listeners to hear. I mean, I try to do a really good job of highlighting what what a writer's life really looks like or what the creative life really looks like, because we have a lot of misconceptions and myths that we believe about the people who create things in the world that we love the most, you know, like the authors of the best cookbooks that you ever read. You may have this picture in your head, and I don't know if you do, but I'm just going based off of what our typical archetypes are about that person being inspired with the most amazing ideas and just sort of floating through their days. And when they sit down to write, the words just flow from their <laughs> That's right, fingers just pour to the computer. From them, yes. <laughs> yeah. And the fact of the matter is, nobody creates like that. Everybody creates within the, I mean, I, I, sh- I shouldn't say everybody. Maybe there are some very privileged people <laughs> who, who get to create in a lighter kind of environment. But, you know, some of the best books that have ever been written have been created while working at Pizza Hut or working at the post office or working a corporate job or taking care of a handful of kids. Or we've had clients who have written books on their iPhone, literally while holding a baby in a rocking chair or written parts of their book on the dashboard of their minivan while picking their kids up from soccer practice. (laughs) Like, you know, these are the realities of everyday life that we're living. And I just really like to emphasize this because I think if we don't make space for that to be the life of a writer, we're going to miss out on some of the most important voices of our generation. Wow. Ah, that is so good. That is so good. And that goes back to that normalizing because, well, I won't say everyone, but I know for myself, even if you are open-minded, you would go back to that concept that you were just talking about. You still have this kind of this character you've made up in your head of what like a good writer is. Yeah. And then you're like, well, if I'm not that today, then. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of the stuff that gets said, I think from writers who have done well are like you, I wake up at five in the morning and I do my writing time for three hours before. And I'm just like, it's not that that's never been the case for me. I definitely have had waves of inspiration where most of my second book, for example, was written in the middle of the night. I don't know why, but I was waking up at like 2 a.m. and I would be like mm-hmm. chapter in my head, got to get it down. Got to get it out. So <laughs> I did some of that, but I also lived alone at that time. I was not married. I didn't have any children. And my life now is very different. 
And writing a book looks really different now than it did for Mm -hmm. me back then. So I think it's important to emphasize that not all books are written at a cabin in the woods, away from everything, perfectly quiet. You know, books can be written all kinds of places. And that's one of the reasons why I asked you this question, because I know you have a full-time job. You've also got, I don't know, like a half a dozen side hustles. (laughs) It feels like (laughs) from watching you on Instagram, you're always crushing it at something. You you. also are a caretaker. Mm -hmm. You you've got a full life and I just want people to hear what it looks like to fit writing Mm -hmm. in a realistic way into a full life. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for normalizing that again. And what you said about the phone really got me because I will use voice memos or if I see something that inspires me, whether that's a picture or a quote, I screenshot that and then I have an album on my phone. <laughs> I save things. Yes. So it's like, it's really an on the go kind of situation. I do look forward to scheduling a time where I can quiet things down a bit and reflect on some of those things. I sure. think that's important. It's almost like if you have a quilt and you're cutting the squares on the go, like eventually <laughs> yeah. you just kind of want to see it, see it together. But right now I am definitely in the chopping up the bits of the quilt and uh, running at high speeds. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's honestly, if it's okay with you, I'd love to get into like the specifics of that, like, and maybe you covered it already, but I think it's so helpful for writers to hear you say, Mm -hmm. I'm taking pictures on my phone. When something inspires me, I'm uploading it to a folder on my Uh phone where I'm saving it. That's right. And then when you have time to reflect on it, you're going to go back to that folder and scroll through what's already there. That's right. And it's a nice reminder that you're not so far behind. And it's a reminder that you're still making progress. You're making and it's progress. A reminder that progress doesn't fit any specific definition. That's what helps me. I I have like over 90,000 images on my phone, not all for this sake, but sometimes when I wake up, so it's great to hear that you <laughs> do that. Um, yeah. Today was actually one of those mornings where I woke up at 317 and you know, I've been up since then working on different things, but sometimes during those hours where it's finally quiet, nobody has an urgent need. It's when I can look back through some of those things and say, wow, okay, we have moved the needle some and that's powerful. I think that's so important. First of all, just the idea of having a visual way to track your own progress so that you, you do see I'm doing something here. I'm creating sort of like a catalog of material that's, that's right. moving me forward. But if you were going to carve out some time in your life where you could like some wider time where you could reflect on this and get some writing done, what might that look like for you? And I know this sounds kind of like it can sound a little bit nitty gritty, but I think it is important for people to hear, you know, here's what I would have to do. Maybe I could carve out a long weekend. It could be five days long. I'd have to take vacation time from work or whatever it is, the list of things that we'd have to do. I think it's helpful for people to hear. Yeah. And and to know that that's also possible, even if it does yes. take a few steps to get that done. So a few, a few different things came to mind when you said that. So if I were to do that in place, meaning that I'm not shape-shifting a lot of different things around, that might look like uh, turning off other types of work after the traditional work day and uh, getting my mom settled. So you referenced being a, a caretaker. So I'm in a caregiving capacity for my mom who is fully dependent and was paralyzed in a car accident. That's a that's a heavy thing that I manage every day. And after I get her settled in the evening, that could look like, okay, I'm putting the phone on do not disturb, setting a timer, 
and just allowing, allowing myself to free write for even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes. That is possible. It's not always reality. So I love verbalizing that here with you today because, you know, I believe words become things. Totally. So I love that. And then if I were to imagine kind of that that time and space where I could actually safely pull out those pieces of the quilt and, and lay them out and take a look and maybe rearrange them, that would look like my sister who is in New York, who comes to Nashville to help whenever she can, arranging some time with her to say, hey, these are the three or four days that I need you here. Yeah. And, and kind of just taking that time to either do a staycation here in Nashville or get away where I can see some water and sky. That yes. really inspires me. <laughs> and the water does something for me. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely don't have to be by the ocean to get writing done, but it does not hurt ever mm-hmm. for me to be close mm-hmm. to the ocean. I'm always like, how can I go write a book at the beach? Yeah. Why do yeah. you think that is? I have a theory, but why do you think that is about the water? You know, the only the only answer I've ever gotten that has made a lot of sense to me is the vitamins and minerals that are in the sand and the ocean are vitamins and minerals that we actually, most of us are lacking uh, specifically magnesium, but the magnesium that you pick up from just even walking barefoot through the sand or being in the water at all, Mm -hmm. something like 80% of Americans are deficient in magnesium and it causes anxiety. It causes sleep problems, digestion issues, and so that's the only explanation I've ever heard that's made sense to me is that when we're at the ocean, we actually are healthier. Wow. So there's actually a physiological impact. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense. And so mine was actually more <laughs> on the other side for me. And I don't know if you can relate to this being a new mom with your super cute daughter <laughs> here on Instagram, that when you're in your own day today, it can feel so big. It yeah. can feel so heavy. It can feel so chaotic and for me, it's just challenging sometimes even to squeeze out that time or, or really imagine that that's possible. Totally. And for me, when I'm around water like that, it shifts the perspective. The ratio is different. I, re- I remember I'm just a small part of this. Like it's, and yeah. I think that actually takes off some of the pressure. Like I'm a small part. Like it's, it's not, it's so much bigger than me. Yeah, I agree with you. I totally resonate with that. I think when you're in your day-to-day too, writing feels like one of 500 things that you have to do. And when I, whenever I book a trip to the beach specifically, I'll call it a writing trip if I carve out time and go to the beach. You know, I'm like the one thing that I'm here to do is write. And so mm. if I write for two hours, then I did my job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the rest of the day, I can do yes. whatever I want. Yeah, I love and that. So there's something about that that just, I do think we do better creative work when we're not under pressure. And I know some people Mm -hmm. like, you know, deadlines definitely play a role in helping us feel motivated and stuff, but there's something about not having the pressure of daily life that opens up space for us Uh to think more creatively. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. What are some books that you love that have inspired you that, even books maybe that kind of remind you of how you would want your book to be. And just to preface this, I'm specifically hoping that these will be books that our listeners can go buy right away because I know they're always looking for new book suggestions and love asking the guests on the show what books they're loving. Sure. So hmm, there's so many. I know asking readers <laughs> to tell you their favorite book is just a mean question. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm going to go with these two. One of which, you know, great writer. The reason why she writes is to inspire other people and help them to get unstuck. And that theme of reimagining is is pretty prevalent in her, in her writing. And that's Marie Forleo and her book, Everything is Figureoutable, which may sound very simple. But when you actually move through the book, there are some powerful examples and stories and methods to really be present in your own life and in your own mind and present with your own resources and discover that you can do immense and powerful things with with what you have available to you and whether that's what's tangibly available to you or with just the mind that you have to come up with a creative solution. Uh, so that's one book that I have really uh, enjoyed. I love Marie Forleo. I have her book because as soon as I saw she released a book, I ordered it, but I haven't read it yet. It's sitting on my shelf. So oh, I'll have well, to can we talk it? about it when you read it? Yes, that would be great. please. <laughs> that would be great. And she's one, she's an author that I actually, this is true for both of these. So Marie Forleo, I just think she's cool. She's multi-passionate, not in a box kind of person. Totally. And so I read that book. I was actually gifted that book during this journey after my parents' car accident. And it moved me to the point because when you're in that type of setting mm. where you are trying to thrive in corporate, you're running your own company, and then, oh my gosh, here's this tragedy. You better believe there are so many opportunities to figure things out. And so yeah. it's really a sink or swim kind of thing. And you, you're kind of grasping and needing some of these tactical things to make it through. And that book was very powerful. So I believe if people are brave enough disciplined enough, courageous enough to put their thoughts out into the world that you should tell them the mm. impact that they've made. And I do that with no expectation of what will come back. I just do it. And so I wrote her to share the impact of her book. And she wrote me back on Instagram. And, you know, I know people are really like, oh, well, the person who manages her Instagram probably wrote you back, yeah. you know, and so that's what I thought too. And then I get a voice memo from her, wow. from Marie Forleo, personally saying, hey, so-and-so on my team shared this story, and I just want to let you know all of these really beautiful things that she oh. shared. And then she started following me. She reposts things. She likes things. And then wow. in February, uh, along with some amazing people. She actually named me kind of as a thought leader and someone who inspires us to think more creative, creatively and reimagine our lives. Marie Forleo. And it That's happened amazing. to be that I've, I found myself in her stories. Like I hadn't even seen the notification of the tag yet. And so it's really powerful. So her, that book, everything is figure outable was immensely powerful. I have sent the audiobook to a number of people I actually have it on a big poster behind my Peloton because sometimes you just need a reminder. Yeah, you need a little <laughs> so, encouragement when you're yeah, on bike. Yeah, you know, and then that releases some things. You just you're thinking about everything, so you just need to look up and see that. Yeah, and then the second book that I would say was extremely moving, and I would love for anyone who is listening to this to check it out, is a book called On Being Human: A Memoir of Waking Up, Living Real, and Listening Hard. Wait, who's the author of this book? It's this so is familiar. Jennifer Pasteloff. Oh, yes. Okay. I've also not read this book, but I do follow her on Instagram. And okay. thought, what a brilliant title for a book. Yes, so good. And I found that book 
also during the same journey, what sometimes when I was stressed, when the world was more open, now we're getting back there a little bit. I would just like to wander through the bookstore and think. Yeah. And I was on my way out and I saw the spine of this book. And one of my favorite phrases to people is just be a good human. So Mm. this caught my attention, took it home, read it, couldn't put it down cried and I don't typically cry when I'm reading things. So again, much like I, what I described before, I wrote her no expectation. She wrote me back within an hour. A couple weeks later, we did an Instagram live together. We're now friends. We've done Zoom conferences together wow. and we're and she does these amazing yoga and restoration retreats and writing retreats and oh we're gosh. talking about Can I being come? in Italy together. Yes, come on to That's Italy. Amazing. Okay, I'm coming to Italy. <laughs> come on. Come on. So those two are two that I would recommend and it's just so powerful with story and listening to your own voice because Kirby maybe mm, 5 6 years ago maybe would have read something and never had that mindset of reaching out, right? Because who am I in this little, you know, in this whole world, who am I? But for me, I've really shifted that perspective of listening to myself and without any real expectation of what will come back, you know, just put it out into the world with authenticity and with good intention and no real pressure on what comes back. So both of those people who are really well known doing all these things, something about it resonated and now we're connected in real life. So I love it. Amazing. But those are two books that I would recommend. You know, the moral of the story is when something inspires you, reach out and tell that person yes. because I can't tell you oft- how often I've heard from people, you know, I was going to tell you I really loved your book, but you probably get that all the time. And I'm like, you'd actually be surprised. I do get messages from people who, but it's not like I'm bombarded with them every day. <laughs> so it's never a bad thing to get a message from someone that says, I read what you wrote and it really inspired me in this way. And it, you know, helped me make this decision or it changed my life in this specific way. It's always really wonderful to hear that. That's right. And I am learning that like, trust your gut, just tell someone, just put it out there. Okay. Last question for you, Kirby. Yeah. I'm curious, what keeps you coming back to the writing process. And I don't necessarily mean writing for the sake of publishing, but what is it that keeps kind of calling you back or drawing you back to this sacred process we call writing? I would say it's an unparalleled release. There's nothing Mm -hmm. else that can apply that same kind of medicine, if you will. You can work out, you can talk to a friend, you can cry in your car, all of those. I still do all of those. But yeah. there's something about writing. And then I write about it. Yeah. It's, exactly. And it's, there's something about that that's just really a gift. I will tell you, there was a time where sometimes writing, and I would, again, love to know if you've experienced this, where sometimes it didn't feel safe. Like almost if you admitted certain things on a page or typed them that you'd have to like face them and they'd be real things. Completely. (laughs) But what I've learned is, you know, you, you, uh, I joke about this sometimes if you push your, your problems or issues down and compartmentalize them, which I really think I could have gotten a master's or at least a certificate in compartmentalizing, (laughs) you know, I thought I was really good at it. But what, here's what I've learned is you stuff them down and they go down there and make friends. And they come yeah. out with friends. They come out and, sideways. Yeah, sideways yeah. with spikes. You're like, whoa, yeah. how did you do that? That's magic. And though writing 
gives you channels. It creates highways to let those things out more safely. And so that's why I returned to it because it's really a gift. It's an honor to be able to, to do that and commit certain things to a page or to your keyboard. It's a really beautiful method that, like I said, is just an unparalleled release. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I really resonate with that. I always say to people, I think there are two kinds of pain in the world. The pain Mm. that is just part of being alive and then the pain that's self-inflicted because we don't allow ourselves to, you know, feel the way that we feel or say what's true or to allow our lives to evolve in the way that they're trying to evolve. And I have learned, I'm not always good at this immediately, but I have learned if I can surrender to the moment and allow my life to do what it's trying to do, that there, it's not that it's pain-free because there is pain involved, but the pain is much more bearable than the pain of resist, resist, resist. And writing does that for me. It kind of allows me to release and Mm -hmm. go on the journey. Yeah. And when you were talking, I just got this visual of, you know, someone trying to swim against the current Yes. versus, you know what, I'm going to float on my back and go with it. And so, I mean, here's the thing. You're going to swim against the current in a river. You're going to go downstream anyway. So (laughs) you're just going to go a little faster when you stop wearing yourself out. (laughs) Yeah. So I just, I love that visual. I, I think about that kind of thing all the time and just remind myself, I'm like, you can fight this all you want, but it's inevitable. Like you're going down river. So you might as well just like pop a beer and sit in a floaty and (laughs) Let's so get you a floating ride. Put on some jades. Yeah. But what you just said there, uh, and I thank you for for sharing your perspective too. That that really helps me, especially as I sit at a point in my life where, like you said um, before, about there's a lot going on and and many hats. So as I sit at an intersection, you know, preparing to make certain decisions, it's like, what is the flow? And mm. even if the flow scares you or is uncertain, what is the flow? And go with that. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Kirby. Thank you for sharing your time with us and your wisdom, your voice. There is so much beauty and insight. And so many times as you were talking, I was just thinking whenever you say, I got this picture in my mind, I'm like, listen closely to what she's about to say because it's really (laughs) important. So your brain is magic. And I'm so grateful that you shared this space with us. And I know our listeners will be too. Wow. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to talk again soon. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.